All right, ATP Podcast episode 23, I believe. My guest today is Emily, and Emily, if you want to give us, tell us a little bit about what your business is, and, and I don't I want to give your last name out without your permission, so oh, yeah, fine. yeah, let people know who you are real quick. Yeah, um, so my, my name is Emily Davies, and um, my business is called Yoga for Sexual Wellness. I guess you could say that's the medium um, through which I teach and what I do. But I've been a yoga teacher for about, I guess, eight years now. Yeah, and um, that's going so fast. <laughs> so what would you describe what you do? Like, what would you, you I remember on, we were exchanging emails, you're like, yeah, I do yoga, but that's, you know, that's not the real gist of it or the whole yeah. of it. And, why don't you go ahead and tell me exactly like what would you say it is that yeah. you do? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so um, I essentially teach women to connect with their authentic sexuality through yoga. Mm-hmm. So I basically tell them that you know I want you to awaken to your inner sex goddess, um, and that's relative, right? Because every person's experience of sexuality is different. Yeah. And um, that's really why I believe that yoga is the best path for connecting to your sexuality um, because sexuality is multidimensional. It's not mm-hmm. just physical, mm-hmm. not just about the health of your pelvic floor and the you know lubrication and the way your sex organs are working. It's also about your emotional processing, your heart and the way that you think about sex. Mm-hmm. And if you're in general open to pleasure or if you just have had a lot of experiences that have made you bitter in life. So, you know, it kind of like, it works the whole vortex of what sexuality is. Yeah. So what I do is I take yogic teachings, met with some like psychology mm-hmm. and um, just really like spiritual work or energy work, like inner work. Yeah. And kind of have woven it together into this program where women essentially learn to master their pelvic floor mm-hmm. and their sex organs. Um, and decompress like limiting beliefs and all these conditions that we place on our sexuality, our appearances, you know, feeling loved. And we kind of shed all of that so we can just allow what is real and true for us to really kind of take over and just let women sink into the sensual and pleasurable nature of like being in a body. Okay. So you use the the yoga aspect you use the physical for the physical is that kind of what i'm picking up like you said talk about strengthening the pelvic floor being aware of it and things like that yeah and then use the psychological aspect and dealing with the emotional part of it and then they overlap plenty i'm sure yeah yeah, yeah. so i'm trained in um raja yoga which okay. is the yoga of the mind in a, you could call it the yoga of the mind or royal yoga but it's um the philosophy behind it is the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali. I don't know if you know anything about... Not yoga. much. I actually just recently learned from my interview with the Ayurvedic practitioner about like the history of yoga not even being a physical art, is what she told me. Right, Like yeah. it like, originated and was more like a, a way of thinking or um, way of life type deal. Yeah. Is that... Yeah, you could say it... It's a, it's a definitely a lifestyle, but mm-hmm. y- the system of yoga offers tools and techniques for really mastering the physical body, the mental body, the emotional body, and the spiritual body. Mm. So um, it's the whole package. And really like 
we see a lot of the physical work. And I think that that was my initial reaction to you was like, well, <laughs> I'm not just like some, yeah. you know, fast, like hardcore yoga teacher that's really doing <laughs> fitness under the guise of yoga. Right. I'm like somebody who's all about like the subtle energy and like yes, creating okay. the whole. That's the buzzword I wanted to hear. All right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so my, my regular yoga class is called subtle body yoga. Right. Yeah, because I really do feel that, um, you know, there's so much I can say. Yeah. Um, well, I guess I guess in short, I feel that. Say as much as you want. We, as a species, have disconnected from our superpower of, like, our subtlety, mm-hmm. which is really just, like, an innate aspect of being, like, being in the world. Yeah. <laughs> Not just a human, you know. Right. Like, Everything. other beings are sentient. Yeah, even plants. Yes. So, but we are like in this place where we have to feel extremes in order to feel anything. And I'm just like, I feel that we're in a place that let's like is a massive disservice to what we're actually capable of. So, so we'll, we'll backtrack a little bit. I want to hear how you first like got into yoga. Were you already in this holistic mindset when you got into yoga or is this something that developed after you said you've been eight years now you've been practicing teaching teaching, teaching. okay yeah. so how long have you been practicing yoga since 2005 okay. so yeah long, like 16, 16 years years wow yeah. so what first brought you into that realm yeah um so i was in college and i was undecided okay and i was like what am i doing with my life yes um, that's most people yeah <laughs> yeah at that age it's like figure out what you want to do. And I, I was very much into like humanities. I'm like, I just want to like learn about the world and, you know, use college to like enrich my knowledge and like wisdom. Yeah. Um, I don't know that I would recommend that path to people now. I do think it's good, but I do think that with like debt and all of that, that it isn't really practical. It's a weird thing where, yeah, yeah I'm the same way where I, to, I actually, so my degree's in civil engineering, but like it obviously didn't choose to do that by the end of it. And it, it's like, I don't regret anything and like it, everything was a good experience but in the same way it's like what I recommend a, a 19 year old 18 year old kid like you don't know what you really want at that point what I recommend you go and try and commit to that financial <laughs> commitment and right. everything yeah and that's the practicality of it um, but I it was like a parallel finding so I um, was going to school at Northern Kentucky University and I took a world religions class and it was a philosophy based class and I loved it and it was like I was in that class and I started um, the new beginners eight week program at It's Yoga over on Ludlow Avenue okay. in Cincinnati and Clifton, yeah. which is where I teach now. Oh, um, right on. Yeah. But they like it all happened at the same time. So in that eight week program, the teacher um, teaches you how to really be a student of yoga. She mm-hmm. teaches you like, what does it mean to like live a yoga lifestyle as well as giving you a strong foundation in the physical work. Um, and then at school, I, after that world religions class, I just dove, I was very fascinated with like theories on ultimacy because I wasn't raised with any religious background. And I mean, I was pained with those bigger questions, like what happens when we die? Like I would like, as a kid, I, this is part of my story for sure. Like I would lay in bed and like just fear death. Like I would just process like my parents dying, like movie stars dying like what that would be like to not have those people like I never had those answers I just only had more and more questions you know and I was not at peace yeah I had like a deep underlying fear that I lived with I would say like not like all the time but certainly in the undercurrents in the background always yeah in the background this like 
impending doom feeling, <laughs> you know? Which so, a lot of people probably deal with today, right now even. I'm so with you. <laughs> and, and yet I think we're a lot of us are numb and that's why we have so much practice escapism. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, I think I think you get me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm picking up what you're putting down. So you, you get into that, you, that's your intro, you start practicing, you're, you're kind of getting in the groove of that. How does that transition into you wanting to start teaching to it? Teach. Yeah. Um, it's it's hard to say really. I okay. I was in college and I after that initial class I declared philosophy as my major. And I mean just for like full transparency, like it wasn't only because I was into philosophy. I was I was not into western philosophy. Yeah. Um I was I took a ton of Zen, Buddhism, Eastern philosophy, philosophy of love, like all of these like oh, eastern yeah. based classes where we would meditate and you know things like that. Um the western philosophy was I, I liked contemplating knowledge and reality, mm -hmm. but the rest of it was, I, I always call myself a passive philosopher because, okay. you know, people could be in class and they could just be going back and forth on these th thought theories and I'm just like trying to take it all in. Just and, sitting back and processing. Yeah, like three to six months later, I would have something to say, <laughs> you know, so I, that's just kind of my nature. It was yeah. more like, I think that I process more on the yin side of, of like thought yeah you like being the, the casual observer as i call it sometimes where i like to just sit back and like i'm not gonna involve myself but i'm just gonna watch what's going on yeah and think absolutely yeah. yeah so um you know that like that work in school um it never made sense and then but i knew that i loved yoga and i always had like that calling to be a teacher and before i actually signed up it was always like that thing that i never thought i could have because it cost like mm. almost three thousand dollars yeah and um and a lot of your time yeah I'm a sure. lot of time and then the process i mean i don't know if people always tell you this or not when you go into yoga teacher training but it's it's raw like mm. it's it'll peel you open yeah. <laughs> like i believe it yeah so um so that was when i finally became a yoga teacher it was like i was like oh now my degree finally makes sense yeah you know? and ever since then it's just been more and more of that it's been more and more of like everything i've picked up along the things that i've studied are all coming out in this work yoga for sexual wellness it's like everything i remember from these classes like it all translates out really nicely now so so where did the, the, the niche of like the sexual approach come from then? Was you already kind of thinking about that when you were learning to teach or did that come kind of after the fact? Yeah, no, not at all. Okay. Um, I, I thought that I would end up working with yoga more therapeutically. I never thought that I would be like doing a bunch of group classes all of the time. I knew that I would take it into a niche. Um, but I didn't know what that would be. I mm. pursued a training to work with trauma. So it's mm. called trauma-sensitive yoga therapy teacher training, but essentially it trains people to work and hold space for people who have like PTSD or you know need to process trauma in their lives. And I always thought that that was really useful. Um, and then I did a program for working therapeutically with heart disease because I worked in cardiology at Children's at the time and as an administrator, like administrative assistant, mm -hmm. but I like thought that I could go that direction. Um, but in my personal life, I was going through a divorce and okay. um, was feeling really broken sexually. And also, yeah. you know, like it was like a massive polarity because it was like I wanted sex, like I liked it, but I also like 
wasn't feeling good about it. I carried a lot of regret and shame about my past. And like my marriage just kept perpetuating that cycle of regret and shame. And so at some point I kind of shed that and I just decided that I wasn't going to be broken or unlovable anymore. And I started like working on healing my sexuality and, um, I was always like intrigued and turned on by the fact that, I mean, yoga will work with any system. Like mm-hmm. there are benefits to all systems of the body. Um, but we don't always talk about that, right? We don't talk about like how twists can kind of wring out the organs and like flush them with fresh blood. Like that's the stuff that my teacher trained me on. And so for me, it was like, it was scientific in a way, but you know, there isn't a lot of scientific study. So no. yeah. there's that, there's that gap of like, for me as a person who believed in these mechanisms of yoga, but they're not studied out in the world, how, like, how do I build confidence to speak on that? So anyway, I just started studying around like the sexual piece. Um, and then I had this really pivotal moment where, cause I had, I was kind of going through my own healing process. I found sacred sexuality and I found like practices of sexuality, which essentially, um, teach people how to connect with like the spiritual nature of their sex and their sexual energy. Um, and I found that like extremely healing and uplifting in my life and increasing my vitality and my sense of self love and like just feeling good inside of my body and with my authenticity, like that, that is at the root of those things, like your sexual health. Um, so Anyway, one day I hosted a Valentine's Day class and I just like said that it, yoga is good for sexual health. And then I got contacted by the Patty Brisbane Foundation. Um, Patty Brisbane is the owner of Pure Romance. Oh, okay. Or she founded the yeah. company. Her son owns right it now. On. But um, <laughs> her foundation, they do research. They fund research projects for women's sexual health. Mm. And they were like, we hear you teach yoga for sexual wellness. <laughs> like, Yes, I do. I do now. now. Exactly. (laughs) Um, So we met and I, we talked a little bit about, they were wanting to do an event um, because they had funded two research studies that had proven positively that yoga impacted positively chronic pelvic pain and incontinence. So they work on that, you know, the more of the medical issues because they're being studied. Physical concrete, measurable things. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, yeah, I was like, yep, this is what I do now. <laughs> so awesome. I I got a hand, like a hold of those research studies and I kind of looked at their sequencing and I started studying with the, the women who were the teachers for that research study out in California, mm-hmm. um, Judith Lassiter and um, Leslie Howard. And, and then there was also like the spiritual side. Mm-hmm. So for me, like the physical side was like, okay, we can do these poses. That's the easy part. Right. <laughs> the, the energy movement, the spiritual processing was something that had kind of like been revealed to me, I guess you could say in my own spiritual practice, mm-hmm. like the energy, the way the energy is going to move. So, so yeah, that was kind of how it was all born. That so, was three years ago. Okay, so then you you decided like you, it just came to you. You ran with that niche. How did you then change your practice? Like, what did you do to kind of morph it into what it is today? Um, it was, let's see. So I guess I had to. It was. It's been. I mean, such a journey. I'll tell yeah. you. It's not. It's not been like a clean process. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> 
oh, there's just been so many learning curves um, because, you know, I can take like they had those sequences um, which were concrete and they're pretty common yoga poses. Mm -hmm. um, but I really had to translate it in my own flavor. So I had mm -hmm. to like learn how to work with the pelvic floor and then I had to teach it. I would bring it into my regular class. I would do it myself, just practice, practice, practice. So I could really get clear on, you know, what are my, what are the goals for the people that I'm going to be working with? Yeah. Um, cause I have to be careful of the things that I'm saying, right? I can't say like, Oh, you do this and it'll heal chronic pelvic pain. Like it'll heal. You can't make claims. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. So, um, for me at the end of the day, it, it certainly aligns with my values, which is like, I'm all about like mastering yeah. physical master, like becoming a master, yeah. you know, mastering the self in all, all ways that you can. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so a lot of it was just doing my own inner work with that. Mm -hmm. And then, um, you know, just that's, <laughs> that's the start I would say. Okay. Yeah. Now, um, so like this, this time you're doing that, did you advertise yourself? Did you, when did you start? saying that that was what you do. Yeah. Um, so it was like in 2018 when this like was revealed to me. And so in 2019, I ran two five week programs mm -hmm. in person. Okay. Um, and I had two groups of four women, like one I did in May and one I did in October. And, um, it was beautiful. Yeah. It was like, so it was just amazing. You know, it's, it's intense when you're first stepping out there doing something new and putting yourself and on the fringe of what most people consider. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, so through that process, I, you know, I had written an outline for the material and it was more like a, a book or a PhD <laughs> dissertation. Like it was huge, you know, it was like way too much for five weeks. Mm -hmm. So I had to like, you know, really just stumble my way through. And in that five weeks there, like I did not meet my physical goals at all. Mm. Um, but now the online course is much more robust. So, yeah. um, that feels really exciting. Yeah. Cause I was able to see like, okay, I really, I really failed you guys here for lack of a better <laughs> term, you know? So by the second time I was doing it, I was like, all right, well, let's do some coaching together. Let me try to get you guys a little further on this physical stuff. Cause yeah. Um, it was just having to figure out like, how do I make sense of all of this? How do I prioritize what's being taught? But when it came to doing the online course, I didn't have to limit anything. You know, I was like, all right, whatever belongs in the course, like I'll allow. So that original outline, you know, it just, there were pieces, right? Or like doing a piece on your stress response and doing a piece on resilience and mm -hmm. doing a piece on somatics and doing a piece on like feminine sexuality as yin by nature, like versus yang. Like, um, so I had to kind of like pick and choose, like, okay, I did like three main lectures and stuff like that. But now with the online course, I can just do it all. So, <laughs> so do you, you do exclusively online now or what, what modalities do you help people through? Um, so last year with the, with the pandemic, it was really, it, it almost worked perfectly for me because right. I kind of went I into a cave that. of creation. Yeah. Um, but I did do work with some coaching clients last year and, um, and they, like I had, I had one coaching client who we worked just on like 
whatever was present, like mm-hmm. a traditional, I guess, coaching would be um, like, okay, we'll just get together, like whatever's present, I'll give you some practices and then, you know, you do them and then next week we get together and we kind of keep going that way. Mm-hmm. And I'd say we work together for like maybe six, six to seven weeks. Um, and then another client, I took her through my whole process. Mm-hmm. So she was doing like online stuff. Um, so that, like I do do coaching. Okay. Um, but it's going to look a little differently now because they'll be taking in pr- most of the education online and they'll just be meeting with me for processing. Okay. Yeah. Right on. So walk me through a little bit of like kind of how you approach it. How do you get someone started? How do you like what's kind of the process that they're going through this whole couple weeks that they're taking your course? Yeah. Um, well, the course now actually takes people six months. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> well, a couple of months then. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it ended up, and really that's because it takes a lot of time to integrate and move energy and unlearn patterns and then relearn like a new way to be. Mm-hmm. And, um, you go through a lot of transformation in that time. Um, but yeah, the process. So let's just say somebody is entering into the course mm-hmm. they're going to enter in the process where we start pretty strongly on the physical side. Okay. Um, and mainly because it's kind of the safer, less emotional piece. Like it will be emotional, but we're, we're working that too on simultaneously. It's just, we start building the physical skills. So mm-hmm. my main, I have kind of, um, it's called an asana track. So it basically takes women through what is the, what are the goals and the process of their physical development? So phase one is all about building the mind body connection. So we awaken the inner sensing Mm -hmm. proprioception and interoception are the main two sections that I'm encouraging that we get to know, which is our ability to sense what we're feeling in from inside of our bodies and be able to just like sense where we are in space. Mm -hmm. So once we have a good sense of that, Um, then we work on developing physical skills. So they're understanding how their core, how their pelvic floor plays a role in their breathing and with their core function. So we, you know, train them on like diaphragmatic breathing and what that feels like when you're load bearing and intra-abdominal pressure and like, you know, the pelvic floor is really at the bottom of all of that. Mm -hmm. So with a healthy core, like you have a healthy pelvic floor for the most part, right? you know, so, but I want them to kind of get to know what, what their deviations from normal are. And that's really a self-study process, but I kind of teach them like what you're feeling, if things are tight or not, or how to sense your perineum just so they can know where the center of their pelvic floor is and all of that. So, and then once they develop the physical skills, then we we're in the integration phase. So then once that I feel like they're kind of at the level of mastery with their, the baseline function of their pelvic floor, meaning Mm -hmm. like they can sense when there's tension, they know how to release it. They can sense if they're like muscles feel lax, they know how to strengthen it. That that's what I would consider level one mastery. That awareness, that self-awareness of what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. Your body will tell you lots of things. If you're listening, you'll, you'll pick up on it, but sometimes you got to get to that point to know how to listen. Yeah, exactly. Know how to listen. That's what I want them to be able to do. Mm Because, I mean, it's an ebbing and flowing journey, lifelong journey. It's not a one and done. Right. It's like your body, your, what your body habitus is going to change. Your habits are going to change. Like you got to know how to support yourself through the process. 
Um, but yeah, once so once we develop those physical skills, then we work on integration. So we'll use asana more like a place to kind of integrate the skills that we're learning through our sexual mastery process. Asana being asana is the thing. Sanskrit word for like a yoga pose. Okay. The physical side of yoga. Gotcha. I've yeah, heard that sorry. word many times, and I figured it was something to do with that, but now I have a better understanding. Yeah, yeah. Feel free to interrupt me anytime. <laughs> I might, just for the lingo for other people listening too, I might need to clarify. Yeah. But okay, so awesome is the pose holding. Yeah, we, we always call yoga, yoga, right? right? Like we do poses and we're doing yoga, but we're, we're really doing asana mm. or an asana is a pose. And then like asana track is like the track of the physical work. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, just a uh, quick side note, the vinyasa I always understood as like the flow yoga. Is that the transition? Is that what yeah. that means? Okay. Yeah. So we, um, so vinyasa yoga is kind of where you thread the poses together. Okay. So the word vinyasa, my teacher taught like uh, each pose is like a pearl. Okay. And the vinyasa is the thread that ties the pearls together. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, sorry to interrupt you. I was just curious on the side note there. No problem. But uh, so you get the physical down, they get a, more awareness, and then from there you said integration. So what are we integrating? Yeah. We... Um, so I want them to integrate. Like, there's a piece that I do on the voice. Okay. Because there's a beautiful sort of magical connection between the yoni or the pelvic floor and the throat. I don't mm. know if you've ever heard of that or Mm-mm. not. No. Okay. So they mirror one another okay. um, in terms of their structure and in terms of like tension and lack of tension, they mirror one another. So this this sort of, it's really well known in the physical therapy field, mm. these people who are pelvic floor physical therapists. Yeah. Um, and this is where, you know, one of the ways that I learned about it and then started playing with it within my own body. Um so yeah, we do a whole piece on, you know, releasing tension in the pelvic floor, like internal massage and opening the throat and learning to soften the throat and soften the tongue and allowing the energy to open up in both directions. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we would do for the integration piece is we would do a yoga class where we're kind of like focused on feeling the release of tension in the pelvic floor and, yeah. and at the simultaneously softening the throat. And then I even have them like open their voice and find resonance, try to find resonance in their body. And so is that part of the reason like, like the ohm and things like that, like where you're kind of massaging those vocal cords, does that have anything to do with, with that drawing that resonance or that energy through? With ohm? Yeah, things um, like that. Yeah, yes okay. and no. Um, so I wouldn't say that it's specific to the connection between the yoni and the throat, mm-hmm. but it's certainly not disconnected from it. Yeah. Um, most people would say that OM, the reason that we sound OM mm-hmm. is because all matter is energy mm-hmm. and all energy is vibrating. Yes. And OM is the composite sound of all of creation vibrating together. Vibration. So when we sound OM, we're vibrating our voice and our physical form and our aura in relationship to all of creation. Okay. So it helps bring us into resonance. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And then once you get them, so you have them expressed through the throat. Actually, real quick, want to touch on the, the connection between the throat and the pelvic floor one more thing. So it, like, if there's a disconnect, is, are there any symptoms of that that you typically see? 
like if there's a disconnect between that yeah um yeah sure they're like one so let's see a disconnect would be well let me share from my personal experience i okay. guess there um i would say that from an energetic standpoint um speaking freely from my heart is really challenging mm. like i like that's a very vulnerable thing for me by nature yeah um and before i really understood how to like allow myself to move energy and allow myself to speak my truth um i would i would get really stuck in my throat and that would feel like a big ball in my throat yeah and just like tension i would be talking and my throat would be like tightening up and i would my voice would be like getting um vocal fry and like all of like all of the stuff you mm-hmm. know like all of that kind of build of energy in the throat and So that's like manifesting on the physical, right? Cuz yes. it's actually like tightening me and it's like making me shortness of breath and but really what's happening is like the energy's getting stuck here at my throat either because I have so much to say and it's hard to get it out or it's something scary and I don't want to stir the pot or you know just there're many reasons why like it could be whatever but I would say that we would address that by well I teach them vocal stuff but also massaging out the pelvic floor mm-hmm. amazingly enough doing in with women you can do internal massage up right. in the vagina yeah um and massage the muscles of the pelvic floor um it will release neck tension and that's oh, yeah. one of that's one of the things that the pelvic floor therapists will report on and that's one of the reasons that this is becoming really prominently studied and understood yeah Yeah, so that would be one. And you said you teach a vocal stuff. What vocal stuff do you look for? Well, um so my sister luckily is a professionally trained opera singer. Um awesome. so I'm always like I always loved singing, but I never felt comfortable with it. I yeah. would always just shut down and shy away. Um so I've kind of vicariously like lived through her bravery of performance and getting on the stage and all that. Um but anyway, like I'm always wanting to learn ways to release tension in my throat mainly because I just I would observe myself getting really tight in my throat and I wanted to understand how to be better about that. Yeah. <sighs> like I'm happening right now. <laughs> <laughs> um so she she taught me like a lot of exercises, you know, and I would just learn them and integrate them and I would bring them into yoga and I and I understood the connection between the pelvic floor and the throat so mm-hmm. I would work with that um but in the in the yoga for sexual wellness course we have a whole section where I'm interviewing her and she's giving tips and techniques um for relaxing and opening your voice yeah. from your belly yeah and then um we also have a vocal audio warm up that they do oh, so that's really cool yeah. do you ever do anything with like throat singing anything like that. I don't know how much about opera, so I'm 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 sure there's some overlap with that in the way they project and things like that, but um you know, it's funny you say that. I have heard of throat singing yeah. and I've heard throat singing. Mm-hmm. Um but I I can't say that I've studied it at all. Gotcha. But to me, it's sound I mean, essentially what's happening is like we're just we just become a big vocal tube, a big tube of sound. Mm-hmm. Are do you do that? Or? I am beginning to dabble in it and I don't know enough to really fully explain what it is, but yeah, it is it is a way that you're creating a tone with your whole body and creating my understanding is like creating multiple layers of tones over top of each other. When you get really good at it, you're creating essentially 
multiple chords with your voice with one voice and that's like you hear the like the, the mongolian version or the turkic version are the most popular that come to mind but those really deep thick sounding throat singing ones where yeah, yeah. and there's a lot of that's based in that's why I asked about the ohm. They kind of touched on that. Like it's based off that same kind of vibration you're creating, but just to projecting it a little bit more. Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, what happens is the sound comes from here mm-hmm. and it bounces off the back of the throat, the soft palate, I guess, and then projects outward. Yeah. Um, so that's so, so I'd be neat. I'd be curious. I'd never thought about opera, though. That's probably a similar technique that they use, just a different projection of it. I imagine so. Yeah, Yeah, it's so technical. Um, Oh, I I believe that. Yeah, it's amazing. And the one funny, I mean, not funny, but interesting thing I learned from her, because she's she's 11 years younger than me, um, so she's still under 30. Wow. Um, so, but your voice doesn't really become mature until you're like 33. Yeah. So a lot of things, a lot of things take even yeah till your mid thirties to really fully develop. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I love that. And I mean, the more that I come to understand and study like healing, like Mm -hmm. real healing, like from a frequency level and, um, even like quantum physics and the unified field and all of that, like we need to be opening our throats. We need to be like using sound and re- finding resonance, not just, we don't have to vocalize it, but it, it certainly helps, mm-hmm. you know, finding that harmony, harmonizing with our organs, with our life. Yeah. Just bringing it all into harmony. I love that. So let's say you got someone there, you got the connection, the throat and the pelvic floor. What are some other things that you're looking in the next step as we're, as we're kind of getting closer to mastering ourselves sexually in this mm-hmm. process? Um, so for me, the process of opening the throat and the pussy, <laughs> for lack of a better term, yeah, um, is, is it's like step three. Yeah. Um, so we are in the phase of letting go. Like okay. where this is where we practice like letting go of these limiting beliefs and like starting to transform the way that we speak to ourselves and the way that we you know, if we are holding back or, or we're diffusing energy by speaking so much, like all of the things that go in that phase. So in my process, in the process that I'm using, letting go is phase three. And then after that, we move into like receiving pleasure. Okay. So that's really in that, after that phase to me, like the women are more open yeah. and receptive and they're probably more available to connect with their sexuality in a really um, authentic way. And in a really, in a way that just feels more free yeah you know because you feel like once someone gains a little more control or security or whatever term you want to use over themselves then they're a little more open to do things so they have that confidence they're not they're not walled up from from the insecurity of it all yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And, all, and in like in a certain way i would say they like a little less control like a little less domesticated yeah, I, I, a little that's wilder. what i was trying to think of. not not control so much but yeah like confidence yeah. in themselves or feel a sense of agency yeah. in their personal power yes yeah so yeah. like for me connecting with this like shakti force and the inner power of their sexual nature mm-hmm. like they're starting to witness that in phase three. They're starting to like witness the power from within their bodies, not because they have a nice shirt or like their lips are like pursed up enough. Like it's, it comes from within, you know? So for me, then that's when we move, that's when I teach them more about like, about like their sexual nature. 
and then after that phase, we work in like a little bit of manifestation and like focusing okay. your energy. Yeah, so your what are what are you what are we trying to manifest? Because I'm all about manifestation. You things. are yes, yes. Well, I'm not going to tell anyone what to manifest. Okay, so but you I'm leave basically it to them. teaching them how their sexuality, their sexual energy, is a inner source of like potent life force mm-hmm. that can be directed in their life to like live intentionally. All right on. Yeah. And then. So from there, is that, are we, this phase three sort of the ending phase or where does it go from there? Like what, how, how long through the journey? And I'm sure it's probably as long as they want and you want to, like, to, did you see this through? But where is it kind of like where you're handing them more of the reins? Yeah. yeah. Um, so they, to me, they have the reins the whole time. They are learning to steer the horse. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. I like yeah. that. Um, so it's, it's really, I, I'm all about them having the power, you know, and me just kind of helping them to see that more and more clearly. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a total like five energy, like it's a it's like a five energy movements is the whole program that okay. I have it budgeted out over eight modules or 24 weeks. Um, but I know it's a lot of numbers. <laughs> hey, whatever it takes. <laughs> yeah. So we do like letting go is the phase where they're like connecting with their, the power of their sexuality and their Shakti force. And then we're open to receiving pleasure and then being the creatrix, the creatrix of your own life. It's kind of like, how do I use this power of my sexuality and hold strong boundaries and set intentions in my life to then like have everything I want and mm-hmm. ultimately create paradise on earth? All right. That's, <laughs> I, I like I like to create paradise on earth. Yes. And have everything you want. I think that's important for people to realize like it's okay to have what you want and create what you want. Like it's so. I don't know, like selfish isn't even the right word to use, but it's like, it's okay to be selfish in that sense of like, you know, you're, you're here. Why, why not enjoy the heck out of it as much as you can? Like you're, we're here at the end of the day. This, this is the reality that we're in right now and you're experiencing. So why not make it as fun and as, as good as you can? Yeah. Yeah, Um, absolutely. So what's it like being in a field where it's like, this is, especially in Western society and where we are particularly as in time and place, um, pretty taboo, you know, you go ahead, like, you know, you start talking about sex with most things and it gets like quiet and most people get uncomfortable and they draw back and yeah. Yeah. What's that like for you? Um, you know, I guess, What's it like? It's been a process. Um, where am I right now? Is yeah. I just, I just, I don't care as much mm-hmm. about the way that people respond. I know that in like other parts of the world that people have integrated their sexuality a lot more. Um, yeah. And I think that people can project onto this work a lot. Like, you know, people thinking, having ideas of like what it means to be a sex goddess or um, being promiscuous or, you know, flaunting your sexuality and all of that. And um, I, I mean, I would be lying if I say that if I said that it didn't bother me at all or that those projections didn't get to me at all or yeah. that I have my own projections sometimes, you know. Um, but at the same time, I think that 
I'm like, I feel like I'm in total surrender to like what it, I feel is the service of this mm-hmm. work, which is to positively impact the way that our culture perceives sexuality and like yeah. how we, and for people to reclaim their sexual power because we're currently being raped by the commercial industry. Oh, very suppressed, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Not, not just suppressed, but, but like actually like all of our like sexual, um, like desire desires are consumed by consumer goods. Yes, like, very like true. We're being unconsciously programmed to crave and feel a lack and, you know, all of the things that keep us in like a terrible pattern of like not being in our power. Yeah. So. Yeah. I was, I was talking the other week with someone about like how it's weird to me how uncomfortable people are in their bodies and like, especially in a sexual way. And it's like our, our discomfort with like nudity and things like that. So I just got back from Hawaii and we almost booked oh. a, a nude charter uh, boat, but it just didn't work out with the time that we were there. And I was yeah. like, that's such a like cool experience. It's like, I wonder like, you know, what that'd be like, cause I've, I've never had anything like that where it's like just to let go and be comfortable in that. And like, yeah. it's a weird thing how repressed people are. And like I said, they're just not comfortable with it. They don't want to talk about it. They don't feel good about it. Right. And like trying to get that message that no, you should, you should be proud of it. You should feel good about it. You should express it. It's not wrong to express any of that. Right. Yeah. 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 I think that, um, it's, it, I mean, it's, I think the hardest part is like my family, you know, yeah. it's like not, not my parents. Um, they're really supportive. You know, I talk to my mom really freely. My conversations with my dad are really limited, but they're unconditionally loving. Yeah. Um, but like extended family, you know, who aren't as like around to see like my level of integrity, but even just saying like my level of integrity is me like defending my position, you know, in a right. certain way. Um, but I think like I'm putting myself in the position to like really, um, just be a mirror for people in the way that they relate to their sexuality. And I am willing to do that. And I, and I believe that, you know, we have repressed and shamed that what you were saying, our sexuality, our bodies, all of those things so much that we have like an incredible sickness in our world. And that, I mean, from the perspective of like the pain, that is the motivating thing for me is like, I'm really sick of like pedophilia, rape, you know, human trafficking being normalized. Like we're so used to it. Mm -hmm. We don't recognize our role, which is that we need to raise generations of children who have integrated their sexuality. They understand its power They're They understand that they aren't limited and yet, like, we need to learn to respect each, ourselves and each other's boundaries. Yeah. So all those things that you just touched on, like the sex trafficking, rape and things, do you feel like those are at all a byproduct of how sexually repressed we are as a people? That it's like, it's one of those, it's like the bottle it up until it explodes. So it's like, you know, all these things are happening because someone just held this in for too long and then they no lo- longer know how to control any of that. And it comes out in all sorts of wicked ways for them. Yeah, I think definitely bottled up. I think that shame is the biggest um, vibration Mm -hmm. that we are holding around sexuality because, for example, let's just, like, I've lately, um, as unpopular as it's probably, like, would feel to most people, I've been trying to, like, put myself in the shoes of, like, a, of, like, a, 
like a perpetrator. Yeah. <laughs> so I oh. can kind of understand the way that they think. Yeah, absolutely. Because like for me, and I, you know, I'm not over here like we need to like punish and continue to shame everyone. Like I am raging inside around when, when I hear things like, trust me, I've had to do a lot of work with my own inner rage. Cause you know, I've had people in very close to my life who have been molested as children. Yeah. And I, that was probably even, you know, the beginning, beginning things that drove me into this work. Subconscious catalyst. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, but I believe that, you know, a lot of times, like for example, parents or wouldn't know how to respond to like their child's like exploration, early exploration with their sexuality. And if that child feels shamed, then they're going to isolate themselves, but mm -hmm. they still want that sexual outlet because it's a really powerful feeling, yeah. right? So then that cycle just continues and continues. They keep hiding further and further in the shadow, in the shame, and they don't learn how to work with their sexuality in the light. And so I think that, you know, people just, we need to be more comfortable, um, allowing more experiences like yeah. in our own lives and not hiding things under the rug just because the community like i don't know because it makes some people uncomfortable makes which, a lot of, yeah but at the root it really probably makes everyone uncomfortable to some degree just because of the nature of the unknown of, of things it's someone else's thing so <laughs> even the nature of your own self like the unknown of your own sexuality can be very scary and uncomfortable and it is for whatever reason we we choose to ignore it or repress it or put away instead of trying to just dig in and deal with it and accept yeah. that it, it may be uncomfortable to figure out but ultimately that's what you got to do to get to the place where it is comfortable yes i couldn't yeah. agree more and i think i mean you bring up a really good point it's like we have to just let ourselves be uncomfortable mm -hmm. it doesn't mean we always have to act on that first impulse no but we have to investigate it we have to get to know it yeah. we have to like Bring it a little closer and listen and see what's really underneath of there. And, and I, I mean, I believe that some, I mean, obviously like sexual urges do need to be controlled. Yeah. And yeah. You can't just go around doing everything you want at the expense of other people. No. Like yeah. My, I think before I ever started teaching this, I would always say like, I believe sexuality is like a wild animal. It's mm -hmm. like, you've got to, you've got to really get to know it and bring it close in order to tame it. But first you have to like witness its wildness. You know? Yes. Of course, I'm not really of the nature of like obedient, like obedient, like pushing things. <laughs> right. Controlling things by fear or power. Right. Like, but more by self-realization. Just yes. letting them. I always I use that. the term, you have to find your edges to know your middle. So it's just yeah. like, yeah, let it, let, that's why, you know, and they talk about like with kids, just let them make mistakes, let them get in some trouble. Cause then you got to have that experience to know what, like it's so the yin, the yang, the light, the dark, whatever you want to call it. They're both important and neither, in my opinion, is good nor bad. Like the, the dark has good and bad. The light has good and bad. And it's like, so just, just finding those edges of each of that to understand the balance of it all and why that push and that pull works together Absolutely. is very important. And, and especially in sexuality, I, I like the point that you brought up of like trying to get in the mind of a, of a perpetrator. Like what, what would it be like? What, why would, you know, trying to think what would make me want to molest someone? What would make me want to rape someone? What, what is that thought process going on? And like realizing it's okay to just think about things. You're not, not acting on things. Right. You're thinking about, you know, exploring 
your own dark thoughts sometimes is very important. Like, okay, well, why, why did I even have that? What is that energy entering my brain for? Like, and analyzing it, dissecting it and learning how to, how to disassociate from it and, and look at it from the outside for a little bit. But, but to look at it and not just be like, well, I'm going to ignore that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So let's, let's go ahead. What, what, (laughs) uh, in the mind of a perpetrator, what are some things that you felt like you have come to understand from that perspective? Um, I think that that instant gratification, right? Mm. It's like that strong, powerful urge met with that like instant gratification of like scratching that itch Mm -hmm. and then like the release, right? It's like the ejaculation is like the release, right? Um, Or the orgasm. And I say ejaculation because I do feel that it's often men that are doing these things, you know, and, and so that, now why do you think, think that is just out of curiosity? I I wonder if that was common. I was kind of asking for it. (laughs) Well, I agree with you, but I want to know why you think. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I, I kind of, the more I've started to uh, like study perspectives on sexuality, the more, the most aligned I feel is like looking at, um, from a Taoist perspective is one of my favorite perspectives yes. um, because we look at masculine sexuality and feminine sexuality. Mm-hmm. And um, this isn't exclusive to men and women. Right. Masculine right. feminine energies are in all of us. Right. I have yes. some feminine, you have some masculine yeah. in you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So masculine sexuality would be more associated with like the external release, like um, pursuing like active um, sort of energy. It's like really fiery. It wants to be like, like um, the urge, the conquering urge. The, yeah, the yeah. Con- oh my god, I like that. Yeah, yeah to- and the power, the power piece is the other piece too. Yes, right? yes, exactly. Yeah, power struggle. So yeah, I mean, our world knows like the young side of sexuality. It's what we see in. Like it's pretty much all of the examples of sexuality that we've been taught because the inner world of sexuality, feminine sexuality, the internal like yin side of it is the mystery. Mm-hmm. It's such a mystery. It, we don't really see it with our own eyes. It's um, sort of like otherworldly when it feels. It's kind of transcendental in a way. Um, and it's definitely like works differently. Like the Taoists speak of feminine sexuality like water. It's slower to warm um whereas masculine sexuality is like ruled by the element of fire do you know about this <laughs> just go no but that just that you saying that although I, I i like taoism a lot so they always talk about being like water but yeah I, I never heard the comparison of the sexuality feminine being water men being fire but the minute yeah. you say it i'm like yeah i mean that's <laughs> so men have fire in their sex and women have water and women have fire in their hearts which is shown by the way that their project breasts project outward and men have water in their hearts. So that's what makes 
according to the Taoists, men and women, like a really nice compliment in that area. Yeah. But, but so much it becomes a problem, right? It's yeah. like a probably a problem communicating, problems with the heart, like women being emotional, like men not understanding it, men like wanting, you know, certain things from sex and like women being not having their needs met, you mm-hmm. know? So yeah, I think that um to just to the point around like masculine sexuality influencing like like sexual misconduct mm-hmm. i think that it's mainly because we like we look at this from there's just it's like that strong sexual drive is what we know but we don't know like the slower more internal like be with the sexual energy like yeah. feel it it doesn't have to lead anywhere it doesn't have to lead to ejaculation you know right so, away are you touching on tantric somewhat yeah okay. yeah yeah, it's interesting because I, I mean, I, I do have a book on Tantra and I've been to a couple workshops, but I'm not trained in Tantra, yeah. but I, I naturally started to align with the, you know, the beliefs and the ways of Tantra because that was what felt like I, the way that I needed to like live my life. Later, I found out that those were like Tantric philosophies, yeah. but then I, my guidance through this work has been to not go down that path directly. Mm-hmm. But I do feel that the women, there is some Tantra in it, which is really just asking you to be um, fully alive with what's present, allow releases, emotional purge, so we can then be free and empty yes. in the best way. Yeah. But um, there are Tantric practices of moving sexual energy through the chakras and stuff that I do do. But yeah, I haven't been like trained in that specific no not that i i just know it as a sense of my understand only understanding is like it's sex but not a trying not with the goal being the orgasm right with being in the moment and and it is a more energetic standpoint of just trying to give and share the energy and being in that present moment and feeling that without again not trying to think of the end goal exactly. of anything yeah yeah yeah, hover yeah. in that orgasmic place. Mm-hmm. And then since you understand manifestation, then you know that when you're feeling positive feelings, that your power of intention is much stronger because it's supported by those elevated emotions. Yes. And the chemistry of that. So that's why, you know, that's why this work, Yoga for Sexual Wellness, is it awakens the yin aspect of sexuality. Just it puts it on our radars and women learn to work with it. Um, and then it creates a really strong like foundation for living the life of your dreams because then when you're clear on what you want and you're aligned in your body, heart, and soul, and then you're feeling good, then like life starts showering you with blessings. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So. so going back to, to the point of the, the perspective of the perpetrator, you're saying you feel like it, it definitely comes from, and I would agree from from the masculine energy of that that power yeah. uh, struggle. Yeah. Yeah. And so, what is it? Is it you think it's it's from a suppressed masculine energy that just research that just wants to surge too much, or is it or something where that got out of balance, where that's just the dominating energy overall, and there's no feminine to hold it back, and it's like this blind, like again, like. The, the conquer just the need to be in power yeah or what do you what? I don't know um, it's so big you know I, I keep wanting to point my my um, my pointer fingers <laughs> yeah. at the church um, because in a certain way and you know and by the church probably 
like Christianity. Christianity. Yeah. yeah, because yeah. they essentially put the church and the priest or the whoever in between the person and their experience with God. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, what's really real is that we all have the ability to experience God. And the goddess is God energy incarnate. It's the spirit in matter, mm-hmm. and that lives inside of us. And, um, you know, in pagan times and times of the goddess, they knew that. They lived in their sensuality, and there weren't as many constraints around what relationship looked like, what family looked like, mm-hmm. what it looked like to raise children. And certainly, like, the church wasn't in between the person and their connection to God. Yeah. Um, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, just because I, I like to clarify, but like talking about the church as like the, the structural organization, not the belief, not the, like not necessarily the root or the belief of Christianity. I mean, like I said, if this isn't on the same page, let me know. But like like the physical, like the structure of how we run it and how we choose to teach it to people and everything like that. And, yeah, I'm yeah. so, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think there's like an immense amount of beauty in um, Christian, like Christianity. Mm-hmm. And all religions have like some, like there is a lot of beauty in religions. Yeah. And I believe that we need, people thrive on structure. Yeah. So it's nice to have structure and community around your beliefs. So yes. yeah, don't, don't get me wrong on that. That I certainly like recognize its absolute love and absolute beauty, mm-hmm. you know. But humans and their separation from God and yes. their desires for power and then the greed that comes with that is is like the problem. Yeah. No, without going down a rabbit hole, I always tell people the the popular Bible is the King James version for a reason. Yeah, it was not unintentionally put there that way. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll leave alone. The, the thought process of a perpetrator, because it's honestly hard to do, fully understand unless you're there yourself. Yeah. But something to do probably, like you're saying, with that over-explosive masculine energy, and again, correct me if I'm not putting this in the right terms, but it being out of balance and they're too much, there's not the other side to kind of pull it back. Because again, saying that, not, again, not, nothing is inherently good or bad, because they're, that fire's there for a reason. It, yeah. it is important to us too, but just so as much as the water needing to be there and too much of one without the other probably isn't good in either direction. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I think that, you know, women's sexuality has been oppressed for a long time. Oh, definitely. And the, I mean, we, we, we say the patriarchy now, but what we understand is that these are like these antiquated beliefs that like men are smarter than women. Right. Men have more logic and reason and they're stronger and therefore like they're the superior species. Mm-hmm. And how we like what we understand about how that has influenced the systems that we have in place in the world. It's so far off of our radar what it would be like if we didn't believe that for like the last 2000 plus years that yeah. we it's for me like I recently got this book from called When God Was a Woman yeah. and it was gifted to me by one of my yoga students who's an art history professor who studied the history of women through art. Um, and oh my gosh, her work is amazing. And this book is from the 70s and she's kind of po- like She's posing these questions that I'm bringing up now, which is that like history has been interpreted through this lens. We've interpreted like findings and archaeological and all of these things from this finding that we thought that men are superior. But but what she's postulating is that that isn't true in right. times of pagan and pre-Christian era. And so we in now time, 
we have no idea what was real in history mm -hmm. because it's always been perceived from a skewed lens. Yes. And when I started doing this work with women's sexuality and I started feeling that a woman's power is rooted in her sensual nature and that when she feels expressed here and she's connected to her inner sense of sensuality as her personal power, that, the that she'll start to warm the waters in her body and that warmth will fuel a heart-centered life. And that that was really, really strong um, for me. It was like I just kept getting that sort of download, you could say. Mm -hmm. And then I found this lineage, this um, organization that called the Sisterhood of the Rose, but they, they've been around for a really long time. And if you look in spiritual communities, you can find this. Um, this kind of group of women or whatever. It roots back to like times of the goddess. But essentially, I read something about how, you know, when women awaken their sex, that oppressing women's sexuality oppresses women. Mm -hmm. And it oppresses their like sensual, like goddess like nature. Yeah. But when we reclaim that, we reclaim like the goddess lives within us. And really, it, it's all about being in harmony with nature that's it's all about living in harmony with the natural way of the world not mm -hmm. that any man women better no it's not about that no. at all and but by by teaching women about their sexuality and helping them reclaim their sense of power from within mm -hmm. and letting it fuel a heart-centered life then to me that is one way to reclaim this earth as paradise because right now it doesn't feel like that no <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we got a lot of a lot of work to do still. But there's there's yeah. enough good that gives that gives me a lot of hope with that. I agree. Yeah. Totally agree. But so I, I agree with you that um, definitely women have especially in our recent history, like I like the last two thousand years being key, uh, had that image and definitely have been re repressed in that. Do you think now and I could be totally wrong, in my experience Women seem to be a little more sexually open than men too. Is that in response or is that a byproduct of it being, or is that just a, a nature of women's sexual power versus, is that the nature of the water versus the fire? Like, mm. what do you think that is? Or, or do you not see, is that not what you see? That is what I'm seeing, yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I can't say that I have a, a strong like feeling of that either way. I okay. see both, I see both being like, sexual mm -hmm. and sexually inclined so yeah i mean you know little vixens coming alive <laughs> and i think that that's you know just just the way that we are but it's yeah. funny though right because like women are like i mean well i don't, I don't want to say it's true either way but like one of the st statistics would show that like women are far less like sexually satisfied yes you know right and have like an like an immense amount of like sexually oriented issues mm -hmm pain and like you know cysts and ovaries and things like that so yeah and those those are typically physical manifestations from something else going on that from the sexual repression or whatever they're dealing with themselves something imbalanced yeah as yeah. yoga would teach it absolutely yeah. because that um you know and that's what modern like medicine that's embracing the the unified field in quantum physics understands that the subtle influences the physical yeah so i was i was saving this for a good chunk of the podcast because i'm sure this will go a while but toward the beginning you brought up 
the subtle energy of everything. Mm -hmm. What is that to you? What is that to yes. me? Hmm. Well, um, you know, yoga has a has a framework for that. Okay. And so that like I learned about the chakras when I was like a teenager. Yeah. You know, it feels very obscure. It's like, what is that? And for twenty years I'm like, what is that? <laughs> you know? Um, but now I feel I'm feeling a lot more integrated with that in myself. So in, in yoga, um, we have like the five bodies. Mm -hmm. So we have the physical body, the energy body, the mental and emotional body, um, the body that's connected to, you could say like the database of consciousness or like higher intellect. Is it the astral? Um, Which one's that? Well, yeah, we call it like Vinyana Mayakosha. Okay. The astral has like three levels. I okay. Guess. Yeah. One of my friends is much much more versed in the philosophy of the koshas. This is okay. The koshas is the Sanskrit term for these layers, these veils. And then we have Anandamaya Kosha, which is like our bliss body. It's our the closest to God that we, we are as so, humans. So the light body or... Is that different um, so too? So the light body, I would say, is more gross than that. It's, okay. Yeah, it's more of the pranic. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't know, though, you know? I'm just, uh, I'm, I don't really have any, I've heard all these terms, so I'm trying to piece together the best I can for okay. my understanding. Okay. Um, so, um, what can I share? I guess, you know, it's funny to think that in terms of s subtle to gross or gross to subtle, like okay. our physical form is our gross form, right? And then we're going one layer less gross mm. is our energetic form. Okay. So it's like right there. Yeah. I mean, it is right there, you know, um, mental and emotional are more subtle than our mm -hmm. energetic. Okay. If that even gives you anything to work with yeah so i i mean for me it's been like wow like our pranic body like the life force energy is really not that subtle we we go like three layers more subtle than that yeah in our like existence so that's just our most adjacent i don't even know what term to use <laughs> yeah not necessarily reality or, or dimension but just most yeah most adjacent existence yeah Okay, to the to the physical of what we're perceiving right now. Yeah, we perceive like our physical with the five senses, mm -hmm. but we have more than five senses. We have our inner sensing. Yeah, and um, so we can perceive our energy. I mean, we're all familiar with intuition, mm -hmm. and we're all familiar with like things of the heart, like deep, deep feelings of connection. Go with your gut, trust your heart, yeah, things like that. Absolutely. Yeah. So we really aren't that far from that. It's just that because maybe science can't quantify it or hasn't, but now they can because we're starting to understand that frequency nature, mm -hmm. um, that we, you know, we can start to like live more, um, confidently. Yeah. It's a weird thing to always talk about the energy. Cause we, for whatever reason, as a species, we are obsessed with knowing and measuring and quantifying. And if we can't do that, we just feel like it's not it doesn't exist then uh, I always tell people like it's like there's a difference between knowing and understanding and there's a lot that we can understand without necessarily again putting a number or putting it in a category yeah. that doesn't mean it's not there and I try you, you start saying energy to so some people immediately they'll check out and like I always tell people like I'll grab their arm and be like and usually I'm the warm one I'm like I feel warm to you don't I and like yeah like 
That's me transferring my energy in the form of heat to you. So that's like one way. So, yeah. you know, that, that's happening on multiple levels, not just with the heat, but with other energies constantly that you just can't perceive as well because it's not to one of your senses that you're paying attention to. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Yeah. So, but so you're, you're saying that subtle energy is just the next level, the one, one level less gross than the physical. Um, yeah, like the pranic level. Okay. The level of prana, which is chi, which is like the force that animates life. The force. Mm -hmm. the Star Wars. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Well, you know Star Wars was based on the yogic text, the Bhagavad Gita. I did not know that. Yeah. I'm familiar. I've heard about the Bhagavad Gita before, but I did not know that that was where he drew inspiration for that. I always, I always draw parallels to life to Star Wars because I love the concept of the Force because there's the light and the dark, you know, yeah. it's, a, it's a fun tale about it and it has a lot of truths. Yeah. But that's cool. I, didn't, I did not know that he based it off of that. That's awesome. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. So what are ways that you find yourself able to become more in tune with your subtle energy or with all these other, with or even further down the line with all these other subtle bodies or consciousnesses or... Yeah. Um, yoga, for okay. sure. Yeah. Yes. Like, so on the physical side, um, with yoga, when we, when we do an asana, when we do yoga poses and we do a practice that way, we're working with, you know, keeping like movement can help keep your mind present, mm -hmm. right? So you're just extending your period of time that you're staying in the present moment instead of thinking about the past or projecting into the future. Um, and then the breath you know, chart like moves the prana. So it kind of just like it flushes like oxygen through the body, like it's flushing prana into the body. And so when we practice yoga asana for like, let's say 90 minutes, you know, for like the first 10 minutes, you're letting your mind, which is prana energy. So when we're thinking a lot, we have monkey brain, it's because we have tons of prana in the brain. So we let that prana kind of settle into the body and we start to attune to the breath and we start to feel our bodies again instead of just thoughts taking over our awareness. So we spend 10 minutes there and then let's say we spend, you know, 60 minutes moving. So in that 60 minutes, you're moving your body, you're sending blood flow and you're thinking about different parts of your body. So prana follows attention where attention goes energy flows so then your energy starts you feel and sense your body your energy starts to expand through your body you're releasing tension which is just trapped energy that we experience in the form of tension so we release that and we can use the breath we breathe right into the tension it kind of dissipates all of that stuck energy okay so then 60 minutes of that just awakening this awareness through the whole body and then the last, you know, 15 minutes or so in Shavasana is when you, you lay down and you can surrender your intention. You, there, it's, it's the relaxing of all effort. So mm -hmm. here is where it's like we're naturally supported by this flow of energy. We don't, always, we don't have to try so mm -hmm. hard all of the time. And then this 15 minutes in Shavasana is like, you know, let your, just let your mind of effort totally let go. Just practice totally letting go, letting go all the control of the breath, all control of the body, all control of the mind. Don't let them control you either. Don't let your senses pull you out of the moment. Don't let your thinking thoughts take all your prana into the future or the past again. Just be, just totally be. 
So that I think is one, it's where you can really, because you're carving out like 75 to 90 minutes of just being with all layers of who you are. Mm -hmm. And you can feel those oscillations, right? Like Mm -hmm. some days you're like, something is on your mind and you just, it's just really difficult to get out of that, you know, like problems that need to be solved, like monkey brain, like how am I going to figure all of this out? But when you show up on the mat or even at working out, Mm -hmm. it can totally be that it's all about if you're choosing to be present with it, anything can be an asana really, you know? Yeah. Meditations in all forms. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. So I would say that's, Good. And then when you do yoga practice like that, it prepares you to be able to sit in meditation because your body isn't as tense and you've already like liberated your energy. You're feeling more energized and more relaxed at the same time. So then when you sit in a meditation, um, you can just work on like more letting go Mm -hmm. and being present and being plugged into something bigger than you. And again, supported by that. It's like, oh, I don't have to do it all alone. Let me just be with that for a minute, for like 20 minutes. So for like 20 minutes, you're just like, again, you're just Flowing with the universe, everything's... Yeah, yeah. in the eternal present moment, as as Joe Dispenza calls it. (laughs) So with, with, with your subtle energy and with sexuality, is that... So if energy's flowing, typically, from what I've learned, as long as everything's flowing, things are usually pretty good. Um, with issues with, with sex and with anything that manifests in, in that form or from that form, is that usually energy getting stuck? Is it your your root or your sacral chakra? Which one it's is both. the Both. Okay, yeah. I have to. Okay. Yeah. Um, is it something to do with that, like where energy's getting stuck there for whatever reason, or... It could be, um, it could be, it's, it's either, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, you could say it's stuck or it's deficient, Mm -hmm. so, um, it could be any number of things. Mm -hmm. There's a lack of harmonious flow, and there's probably a pattern of consumption of energy, like, the lower three chakras being in the body, Mm -hmm. being associated with the more dense aspects, like, you know, your physical form, your digestion, your sense of self, your personal identity Mm -hmm. and your upbringing and all of the things that, you know, influence your sense of self and your body and how you relate to the world. Um, from our earliest stages, like if we have, you know, shame and guilt and regret and a lot of fear, like these, these emotions will consume our energy rather than empower us and give us more energy. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it's an imbalance in some way. It's a deficiency in some way, but it it also could be like a draining or an excess. You know, if you have like a lot of prana in your root chakra and you feel like you need to like masturbate 10 times a day, you know, so then we probably have like an excess of prana, mm. but also like a lack of um, containment or, you know, it's not, we're not moving it up or we're not grounded enough to like hold it in our bodies. So. so what are what are some things that you typically do? Um, I'm assuming something with the yoga, but like, are there anything specific that you do to help open up those pathways or get the energy back to flowing or or flowing at a more appropriate rate mm. instead of being too chaotic? 
Yeah, I mean, we, you know, doing asana is okay. a really good way to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I think concentrating on your chakras. Mm. So it's like letting your mind touch each energy center. And then you can start to kind of like, you'll start to recognize within yourself, like where there's always a place, like for me, it's between my third and fourth. Mm-hmm. Like there's this, whether it's a deficiency or a excess, like I feel like it's a deficiency. So like, you know, you can like touch each chakra with your mind and with like an elevated emotion, like posit- like send it positive vibes, just like recognize the ability to heal recognize the ability to be optimal like have an, have the energy have a lot of energy in mm-hmm. your body and that works that works on helping you um become more aligned and empowered so how much of all of this do you share with like your clients when they're going through that um and if you do do you get much pushback resistance are people pretty open because again to most i'm i'm all in i love i love talking about i love exploring this stuff again most people it's like either what the heck is that or they're like oh you're just you're bullshitting me or something like that yeah yeah um you know it depends on the client okay yeah it depends on them um if somebody is very insecure and they're bodies and their sense of self and if they you know they aren't they've never been taught anything like that Mm -hmm. but also it's so far off their radar that it just it's maybe not even relevant at that point they're not even able to grasp it or understand yeah we can still work with it without Mm -hmm. using these terms that are going to throw them off you know um you can talk about focusing on the area breathing into the area and that's going to flush fresh energy into that area. And that's kind of all you have to say, you know? Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, like, get that. Yeah. You know, they do get that. If you try to explain what is the subtle body and, like, what are the chakras and all of this stuff, I mean, you know, people are going to have their own journey with that. Right. So yeah. I'd say it's at the level of the person. But most of the people who come to, to me, it's funny because it's really not them. They're they're thirsty. Right. They're, but I find myself point. holding back because of, because I've been trained to value logic and reason. And that the big part of my becoming and coming out in this work has been to crack that shit open. Yeah. <laughs> so. And yeah. valuing that the way you see it might be different than the way I see it versus someone else see it. And that's, that's what's okay with it because it's, there is no select answer or right of everything like that. But we like that, that logical that everyone can see the same result, but in reality or as far as we know it's like well we get an understanding but again your experience can be different their experience can be different you kind of make it your own and whatever it means to you is whatever it means to you yeah 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 and like or or how you experience it i would say because like you know we we like we can now like measure the chakras through electromagnetic energy Mm. and we do have there is technology out there to like like look at people's auras and like find the frequency that's associated with the root chakra, which is oh, wow. associated with the, you know, the the um, endocrine glands, mm-hmm. which has man- physical manifestation, physical organs inside of the body. Like mm-hmm. um, we have, there is technology out there. It just isn't influencing, you know, a lot of like 
medicine mm-hmm. or ways like that. So you, I mean, you know, and I mean, there's whole reason like the pharmaceutical industry has a, and the insurance companies have a strong hold on what's being taught to doctors and like, yes, you know, so we love them. Like they, like I like totally value Western medicine, but like right. I also it recognize its, its limits. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, I, I align more with the belief that we don't need like big daddy savior medicine. We need right. like to be our own savior. Healthcare starts within. Yeah. yeah. And like we can hire these people to assist us with our health and wellness, but like we don't need to give them all of our power. Yeah. And that like that, you know, cause as like, as I became an adult and I recognized within myself how much I was like afraid of my doctors. Like I was afraid of like speaking truths and things like mm-hmm. that. Like oh, I'm going to get in trouble or whatever. I was like, wait a second, hold on. This is like a completely wrong way of thinking about this. Yeah. You know, I'm not some like broken thing that needs like somebody to save me, you know? Right. So. Well, I like that you, you live it in your practice too. Well, you, Cause you, you said, you know, my clients have the range the whole time. You're not, you're not here telling them what to do. You're just guiding them, helping them figure out what they, what they want to do yes. with it. Yeah. Yeah. It's oh, very like important to yeah. me. Yeah. 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 We do get in this position of, we're just expecting someone else to have the answers for us. And it's like, no, you have all the answers. Now it may take some help to, to draw those out. I, we always go back to, uh, my friends always talk about, you know, the, how weird the education system is and the, the, the word education, the Latin root educar means to draw out of. Mm-hmm. That's not at all how we do it. We just shove things into people all day. And that's with, with our school, but with everything else, like you said, like, the, as us as consumers to believe that everything is we're supposed to just receive this information externally instead of pull it from within right. where we, we we do at the end of the day have all the answers we just have to navigate our internal library yeah. and figure out where to get them yeah and then yeah. and then like figuring out how to externalize that is a whole next learning process yeah but I'm so with you on education. I've been on a whole thing about that lately too. But yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I want people to stand strong on their two feet because I do believe that we we are like good by nature and we mm-hmm. can have like really like like we have good nature. Like we want to love each other. We want to have peace. Yeah. We want to like have a good life. So. So, is it is it was sexuality what you were drawn to most? Because you feel like that's the base of it. I, I like your, your broad way of thinking and like mm. we're connecting all these other things. And do you, do you spend any time with people talking about the other things like that? Like, like just living a different lifestyle or do you, when you have your clients or do you pretty much stick to like from a sexual standpoint or is that, or is that why you do it? Because that's the base of your um, thought process. I, I definitely didn't have that thought process going in um, okay. with like the work and sexuality. For me, it was more so like, tempting, tantalizing, intriguing, yeah. and fun and playful and all of the, you know, all of the, like, um, the spark, it's really a sparky, like sexuality can be very polarizing. Oh yeah. You know? <laughs> it's like playing with that it's polar fun. energy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So for me, it was more about that. Um, but I think that people come to discover that their sexual, um, their sexuality and the way that they relate to their bodies is at the root mm-hmm. of their wellness. Okay. And you know, they, they'll, they'll come and have their own discovery and, and everybody's interpretation and in their path in life and how they're 
going to be sexual and what kind of life they're going to be like. That's all they're from inside. Like that's their own journey. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what the outcome is going to look like, you know, for people when they start um, stepping into their power through their sexuality. Yeah. But now, because we're so variable as beings, like, and everyone's sexuality is going to be a little different. Where do you think, if any, like, expression, like, we, we, we touched on, like, perpetrators, like, things where, you know, you're, you're taking away or suppressing other people's stuff. But where, where do, like, where do you think, like, kinks and things like that come from, where people's, like, preferences or, like, ways, and, and some, some can be very extreme, and where do you think that that kind of stems from in our sexuality? I don't know. I love okay. that question, though. Um, gosh, if I, if I were to try to answer that, I might just be, like... <laughs> babbling off but hold on i want to i want to like feel into it for a second take your Um, time i mean i think it's just like our flavor right Mm -hmm. you know it's like i i don't know where it stems from it probably has something to do with well what we like and what we dislike right like what we're attracted to what turns us on like there isn't really i don't know what what measures that some things are obvious like you know if somebody has like daddy issues for example like they had an absent father and they like are craving that strong like dominant figure in their life you yeah. know then that's really satisfying to them and they use that role like they use like a submissive role mm-hmm. um as like something really healing rather than just like to perpetuate that wound like um you know like i think that some so of the you would case- say that that's helping them it can. Okay, it can. Okay. Yeah, so I think the BDSM and the kink, like, the BDSM community has, like, um, and I've come to know so much through Instagram. It's so interesting. Yeah. <laughs> right? But I, um, I think they have, like, so many beautiful tools for helping people work with, like, what would otherwise be shadows, mm-hmm. you know? And these shadows will rule our habits until we, like, bring them into the light and learn to work with them in a way that supports like our transcendental nature you know but for some people like their their karma their like path is to be like your pet dog forever (laughs) you know like as a human like they want to play that role and i don't i'm nobody to tell anybody how to be a sexual person like but i think that i think that some of those those like more those desires probably stem from like i would say probably some wounds Mm -hmm. and some like um some what one of my mentors calls a golden shadow which is like something we strongly admire in another person okay. or something we want something that just like makes us melt <laughs> so sometimes it can be a healing thing sometimes it can be just a, a craving that we're sat trying to satisfy yeah for... but like it, like we're not able to satisfy it because we're not actually like willing to like do the inner work around mm. it you know okay like yeah craving can either be like transcended mm-hmm. right where the craving doesn't control you um yeah. or you can like just learn to kind of like live with it and neutralize it or you can like learn to transcend it and let it go what's your thoughts on expression via like okay well like porn or like anything where you know putting that out there or exhibitionism in a way things like that um just or public nudity or being like what's what's your thoughts on that yeah, I mean, I think, again, it's really, like, I've had to do a lot of my, it's funny, I'll just share this part first, because, <laughs> you know, coming out as, like, a t- sex coach or a sex teacher, in a way, 
sometimes I feel like maybe I should be like more sexually like out there.、Mm. You know, maybe I need to like be showing myself off more. I need、mm. like maybe I need to be like kinkier and like all this stuff. But、um, you know, at the end of the day, like we all need like different things.、Yeah. And for some people, like being an exhibitionist and all like. Fucking fuels them. Yeah, like, it makes their life the best. Like they, they just like it works, you know. And for others, like they don't want to flaunt their sexuality. They don't want to put their bodies out there. Like,、mm-hmm. um, so I think so. That's the way that we express our sexuality is like to each his own. You okay. Know? I、yeah. believe that when we. When we start disempowering others, or if we're giving away our boundaries, or if we're having sex or doing it for like attention, or that is trying to fill some void in us, that's、yeah. when we're like actually operating from a place that isn't of wholeness.、Um, but when we look at things like porn, I mean, I think that there's some really beautiful porn,、mm-hmm. and there's some beautiful people people's relationship to porn, but. Like the majority, in my opinion, is I'm going to be like really judgmental and say that I think there's like massive toxicity. Right, as an industry, it's probably not the best thing. As an、massive、idea,、toxicity. there's good potential in it. Yeah, there's yeah. both. There's、yeah. both. Yeah, but I think that we have an immense like sickness,、mm-hmm. <laughs> like to be, you know,、yeah. see, like porn addictions are. Really, like any addiction is really, really hard to work with. Oh yeah, but but like. I don't know. I watched this HBO show called Euphoria. I saw like、okay. one episode of it. Yeah, it, like it was teenagers, and they were basically saying like, you know, porn is like our sex ed.、Mm. You know, and and I'm over here just like, no. Yeah, that's not what you want to be learning. <laughs> But I need to. We need to accept that it's here and it's easily accessible, and like all of our younger generations at some point or another are gonna like see it.、Mm-hmm. So. It's not really like there's no reason to like sit here and be so resistant to it that、mm-hmm. I can't work with it, you know. But、yeah. I think that it shows really, I even from like for me if I like watch porn or like look at it, I'm just vibrationally like、mm-hmm. if the people aren't like in their highest self, like for example, if you can tell if like if they're not having a good time for real, yeah, yeah. So, for real, <laughs> for, for real, real though, yes, like you can. I can、yeah. feel it, and I、yeah. just like am disgusted.、Mm-hmm. I can't get off to that. Right, <laughs> like, that's not. Yeah, that doesn't feel good. Seeing somebody as a sex slave, human trafficked,、mm-hmm. oppressed, drugged up, whatever. Like, oh, it's just.、I'm... Yeah, no, I'm I'm all for like I'm <laughs> for me. It's like for everyone, do whatever you want to do as long as a that that's what you want to do, and b as long as you're not taking away from anyone else's ability. That you that you know of directly that to do what they want to do, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. yeah. Other than that, you know, but yeah, I, I agree with you. Like the most of it is probably not the way it's being done right now is probably not a healthy thing for most people. But、yeah. the concept inherently, if if you want to be that expressive and you enjoy sharing that, and the people on the receiving end enjoy seeing that, who what's what's wrong then? Yeah. You know, what's yeah. the um. I lost my thought. That I had another question that it escaped me. We'll come back to it. But、uh, do you do you deal with any of that in your education? Do you do you talk about relationships with porn or with things like that in your sexual education, or does、no. that never really come up? I mean, it certainly will come up.、Mm-hmm. I think for、um, you know group coaching and individual coaching, I'm sure.、Yeah. Um, 
it, it, it has come up with clients previously. Okay. Um, and sometimes it's like the woman who's like her husband or her partner has like an addiction to porn or mm-hmm. has had an addiction to porn and how that's, you know, made her feel like maybe she needs to be a certain way. She's felt like inadequacies mm. or, um, you know, that he's, he's not like, not that every man should practice like withholding their ejaculation or like not orgasming every time. But right. I think that, um, like, you know, porn and like jacking off a lot and like, that can really interfere with like a woman being able to become totally turned Well, there's a, a male dominated industry too. And yeah. it, it, yeah, it yeah. portrays that image as always that, you know, that's, that's the end of the porn is the, is the man finishing. Right. right exactly. <laughs> that's, and that's, that's all that, you know, you're getting to is the end of it. Is that, yeah. Yep. So, exactly. and teaching that that's not the, the only, or that shouldn't necessarily be the standard of, right. of the approach to sexuality. Yep. Agree. So yeah, it comes up in my work when it, when it's, um, you know, when like a woman needs support with, Mm -hmm. with that. Yeah. So what about, um, people's sexual preferences as far as like how they like to express or like the relationships, like, cause there's so much variety, just, just notes and thoughts, not that you have to have a strong opinion either way, but like you know, things like polygamy, things like just wanting to be promiscuous for the sake of it, things mm-hmm. like, or things like wanting to find one partner that's like you want to create some intimate connection that you don't share with anyone else. Like, just what are kind of your thoughts on all of those different aspects of it? Oh, I'm open to, yeah. yeah, I'm open to the various ways that people want to, um, that people relate and mm-hmm. want to relate. Um, yeah, I, I think that it's, again, it's just, it's, whatever works for you yeah. kind of thing. So I think that we've been really constrained and limited around what is, you know, what sexuality should look like, what relationships should look like, what, you know, family should look like, all of that. So I think that, um, you know, there's some pretty strong, like, communities, just like the BDSM community, like the poly community, and they mm-hmm. kind of speak to these aspects and support one another in what conscious, you know, like polyamorous life looks like yeah um so i think that they're amazing you know doing that work because for myself i kind of went through this like inner process of like um entertaining and ultimately haven't found that to be like the thing that i want to be doing Mm -hmm. but you know somebody who i know who is polyamorous she was like from her earliest like times that she's like as a teenager when she's first started like dating people and she was just like she just felt like having one partner was never the thing that felt like the most natural and right for her yeah and she was like you know why is she asked me this question like why do you how do you know like monogamy is the right thing for you and i'm like i haven't even thought about it like that you know right so i think that um we're learning to like stretch or just really return to this unconstrained, uninhibited, like, way of being and relating to our sexuality in the world. Mm-hmm. And, um, I don't know, it's probably been going on for far longer than I've been privy to it, but, so, but yeah, I'm totally, like, to each his own. Yeah. yeah. Do you, do you ever study, like, uh, sexual behaviors in, in animals or plants or anything else, like, as far as, as that, and, like, Not draw really. chart? No, I was just curious no, to see but... if you look outside, outside the human, just to see if what parallels or what other extremes of things that like 
yeah, don't exist within. But I'd be curious, just the thought right now of like, beings that are like asexual, like how does that work if you have both of those and like when it, going through like energetically, like not, not just on the reproductive standpoint, but yeah. Yeah, I am with you. I actually, I think it would be super fun to understand like nature and mm-hmm. how like other species relate to their sexuality for sure. It just, it's on the... It's on the list of yeah. the later things to yeah, study. Yeah, there's, there's so much out there. <laughs> yeah, there's so many dimensions of sexuality to study. I mean, even just like across history and time and, um, you know, what, what marriage is and what relationship is mm-hmm. like from, you know, earlier days to now and how that's changed and how like humans have changed. I mean, it's just there's there are a lot of factors that weigh into that. So what's one area that maybe you're looking to try and explore that you haven't yet or that you've thought about or is there something something new or what's kind of next on your journey for like my um for your for a your business and b just your own personal growth um well my business i'm in the process of launching the online course okay so we are um, my partner is helping me and um we're we're building the online course. We're writing the email sequences. We're building like a funnel type of thing. Um, so all of that is pretty set, but I'm really excited to be rolling with it because then I can start to like expand upon some of the topics even more and yeah. do more teaching. And I'm really excited to just work with the content. Cause I have, you know, with six months worth of material, I have a lot that I can pull from and like just deliver more and more and more so i just can't wait to like just go all in yeah you know whereas up to this point i've been teaching yoga and doing things like like other things that aren't yoga for sexual wellness Mm. i'm really excited to like go all in with that so will you will you market it still as yoga for sexual wellness or will you transition into just pretty much just like a sexual wellness coach um, right now I consider myself a holistic sex educator or sex okay. coach. I haven't totally landed on what the role is. It is coaching, but, yeah. um, I'm not really the one who I'm, I'm more like, I guess I'm like an educator, like a guide. Yeah. You know, I still, I still come at it with the lens of yoga, which yeah. is, and I'm never like, I don't know. I've maybe to a fault. I want people to be in their power and not be dependent on me. So I have to learn to like traverse that and step yeah. into that role as like a mentor or coach a little bit more. Oh, so absolutely. I'm personally looking forward to that. Yeah, I feel like in an ideal world, I wouldn't have a job as a trainer for me <laughs> and be like, you guys would know what to do on your own. Like, you wouldn't need me. Yeah. But yeah, coming up with and coming up with a title to describe what, because I, I understand that pursuit of like, again, trying to just inspire growth in one way or the other. Yeah. 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 And I, I mean, personally, like, I, I, um, have study I'm studying like Buddhism and sit mm-hmm. in meditation groups and or meditation group and right now we're studying with Adyashanti who's like a amazing like teacher um reading his books and doing an online course in this group that I'm in and I'm just like loving my practice so much my meditation practice and and I think what Adyashanti is reflecting to me as the next phase of like my becoming is um the level of like spiritual teacher that I want to be operating at. Cause mm-hmm. you know, I came from like definitely like logical brain sort of like concrete world sciencey sort of needing scientific proof to feel confident. Yeah. Um, 
but I'm like wanting to be more with the spiritual and be more like be able to translate those like those experiences more and help people like dismantle their ego limitations. Mm -hmm. Um, So I would like to ultimately be gravitating into that role eventually. Yeah. And just live a simple life, you know, like just keep things simple and like share the wisdom within like in a way that feels really good. Um, So that's, that's kind of where I want to grow personally, I would say. And for me, you know, working with sexual energy is like connecting with God in the bedroom and Mm -hmm. it fuels like a really loving, passionate relationship and it fuels a beautiful like environment. And I have two kids, they're 12 and 10. So, you know, I want them to be, feel held in a loving environment, not one of like chaos frenzy and like all of the wildness of the modern world, but like keep it pretty simple and feeling good in the world of possibility. So I want to really be a model for them. And I am, I mean, as somebody who left a corporate job and didn't know what the hell I was doing, moved back in with my parents and like, you know, three or four years later, I'm birthing this business. So yeah, that's, uh, no, your story's incredible. That's, uh, that's, I love seeing people that do it, that just fuck the system and, and get out. Cause it's like, <laughs> For what? At the end of the day, you should always ask yourself, why am I doing this? And if you don't have a good reason, then then why are you doing that? You know, you should be doing what you want. If you uh, let's say right right now, if you had all the influence that you wanted, that you could like, what are some top messages that you would try and spread to as many people as possible? Or if just for those people listening to this, what are some things that you'd like to leave us with in regards to your sexual health or anything else? Um, I would say to always hold on to, um, like your childish curiosity and the nature of like child curiosity within you Mm -hmm. and let that help you gravitate towards your sexuality, towards love and your relationships to others, towards your body and really towards life. Because I think that that is the most essential part of our nature that will help us remain um, open to the possibility of something better and new and like that life is like purely awesome (laughs) all right yeah and what's what's one thing like just something you could for just anyone to get started to be more involved with their sexual self what's a, a good tip to just Get someone to dip their toes in that water, especially if they feel like they're disconnected from that. Okay. Um, I guess the best, most direct thing that I would suggest would be to touch your body mm-hmm. and breathe and try not to feel like your sexual turn-on has to lead to ejaculation, but just um, let yourself like listen to that a little bit and mm. then once you you can hover in that place for a little while just like prolonging your ex- your experience of touching yourself and like feeling your own personal pleasure and then you know squeeze take an inhale squeeze your sex organs and feel like you're going to draw that sexual energy up to the crown of your head and like a straw like you're inhaling and you're squeezing and it's like you're sipping it up 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 to the crown of the head and um and I would say just like try that practice yeah. because the way that that translates is, is infinite. Um, so just like play with that. All right. Yeah. And Emily, um, 
appreciate you taking the time to sit down with me today and go over this. Um, probably could have done this for several more hours, but people get tired of listening to me. <laughs> yeah. uh, why don't you tell everyone that's listening where to find you, how to get in touch with you, if that's you know if that's of interest to you, yeah. just more anything else about your business, whatever kind of plug that you want to throw out there, yeah. chance to market. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so you can find me on Instagram at Yoga for Sexual Wellness. Um, I'm also that I also have that as a website, Yoga for Sexual Wellness. And um, if you visit that website, you can sign up for my free three-part series, um, which is a training over the course of the first week to just really get you going and give you some good tips for embracing more of your orgasmic nature. It is for women only at the okay. time. So, Are you ever going to transition into doing more with men, or is that something that you feel you match the feminine energy better? Or you Later, yeah. Okay. Later, we, we have a whole like trajectory for eventually working with men and couples All right. so but yeah right now we're starting with the women so, yeah yeah awesome anything else that out there for people to find you no but thank you so okay. much for doing of course. what you do yeah um anyone who was listening i appreciate you tuning in hopefully you made it through the whole one didn't get too uncomfortable and uh go touch yourself right? Yeah. <laughs> that's right all right have a good one Bye. bye